Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. Today I want to talk about political structure in Days Gone and the ideologies of the different camps. Joining me for the discussion is Richie Belmont, a streamer, musician, and recent convert to the cult of Days Gone. Hey Richie, how are you doing? Hey, pleasure to be here, Claire. Okay, so you're pretty new to Days Gone, right? Yeah, um, I started playing the game uh, Thanksgiving last year. Um, I saw you talking about it, uh, posting it online, because, uh, you know, through social media, Instagram. And uh, I actually did know about this game when it first came out in 2019. And uh, it, I'm ashamed to say that uh, the sort of the court of public opinion kind of uh, made me push away from the game because uh, there was an episode of uh, uh, of some like let's play channel that I was watching and they seemed more interested in their bits than the actual game itself. But to be fair though, what they were showing was just the first five minutes of the game. I believe it's when they're chasing the bounty. And if you're going to, uh, if you're going to introduce a game, like it seems like if you're just going to raw, if, if you're just going to show the first five minutes of days gone, it's kind of doing the game a disservice. I, I don't know. It's just, no, no, you're it's, absolutely it's spot on. <laughs> it's an odd choice. If you can only show five minutes of, of any game, the first five minutes, it would not be the five minutes you should choose. And I kind of thinking about all the games that I really, really fucking love. Um, the first five minutes is not enough. That's kind of like, uh, you know, as you're playing it an hour in, 30 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but first five minutes, and like I said, it, it kind of made sense because... Uh, they were just doing their bits. And as far as I, I guess subconsciously absorbed it and went like, oh, I guess it's all right. Maybe I'll play it later. And then two years later, <laughs> kind of like the game, <laughs> two years later, I picked it up. So, 720 days gone or 730 yeah. days gone. Uh, I don't know the numbers. I'll take your word for it on that. But <laughs> yeah, 730. Um, so I should mention as well, we know each other in real life. We've been friends for many years. And uh, I think that's how uh, I kind of influenced you to play Days Gone was because I was just spamming my own social media with, hey, all my friends, I've started this podcast. I'm obsessed with this game. Everybody come check it out and kind of pressuring as many people as I could to play it. Um, are you glad that I pressured you to play it or are you regretting uh, ever picking it up? Well, pressure is a strong word. I mean, <laughs> like I, mean, I have uh... any power over you. <laughs> <laughs> a slight nudge. Um no, I mean, uh, I take your, I, I mean, I take your opinion very seriously. And I think that if I see, uh, if I see friendos out there um, being very passionate about something, I at the very least have to do like a simple like, huh? Like, mm, okay. And um, it just so happened that uh, I, I guess the other reason why is because like, uh, uh, I skipped like a generation with consoles. Um because uh, for reasons I even I don't understand, like the PS4 uh, and I just barely got a switch like uh, at the beginning of uh, 2020 uh, because pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, I skipped the whole console or sorts. And obviously, you know, you, you got to sell 
you got to sell your soul for a PS5 or, or, you know, I don't know what the, uh, I don't know what the currency is nowadays to get one. Um, so the fact that when the game finally uh, showed up on Steam, I was like, well, it seemed like the, it seemed like the stars were aligning for this moment where you're talking about it. It's on Steam. Um, I looked it up on YouTube and a bunch of, it just so happened I saw a bunch of videos talking about how incredibly underrated it is. So I was just like, Richie, you got to play the game. You got to play the game. And I did. And, I, you know, I'm very, I'm very grateful I did because now I'm here talking about it. So <laughs> That's awesome. So you didn't have a, you didn't play any PS4 games? You don't have a PS4? No, I, I don't have a PS4. For a really long time, I was, uh, I had my computer and uh, I was just like, I, I was a console hound. Um, PS3 sort of date me uh, with age it's uh ps3 was like the last console that i had mm. and when i, I want to say that the ps4 came out like 2013 2014 or something like that uh you're just, right yeah. yeah something like that i think when they were talking about how they were releasing uh grand theft auto 5 uh around that time i don't know what happened i just it just it just never occurred to me to go and then once i acquired uh, a computer and finally decided that i guess it was like a new year resolution of like 2014 or something i don't know but uh i just started playing video games on on computer and i just kind of stayed there for a really long time so um but it is super cool that games like days gone that stranding i think horizon zero dawn is now out on steam so like there's a lot of cool i'm, I'm you know for whatever you want to say about uh, Sony, I think that they're slowly getting into the idea that there is, there are like people that are on PC that are willing to, they're willing to buy your game if you just give them an opportunity to buy it. So hopefully they start releasing uh, Uncharted 4, which is, uh, I mentioned that um, in a previous stream with you and Sponicus Rex, by the way, hello. Um, and uh, uh, people thought I was, uh, making fun of it and i was like no 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 no! i'm not saying the trilogy i just completely forgot that there was a fourth <laughs> game because it came out on ps4 and right, i didn't have right. one so which like... i i was the one that i assumed that's what you meant because uh as i've mentioned on that live stream i don't think i've ever mentioned it on the i might have mentioned it on the podcast but i'm a huge uncharted fan but i kind of don't really like uncharted 4 i mean i love the game i love the gameplay i love i love a lot of the detail of that but what i don't love is the retconning of nate uh, his backstory giving him a brother out of nowhere i'm just like what the yeah fuck are you talking I, about? Um, I, that's what i heard i heard that uh i haven't played it yet and by the way like if you spoil anything it doesn't matter to me because it's like no he just game, has, a brother, the oh, he has a brother at the beginning he just yeah. has that's, all, one, I, all, that's, that's all i know <laughs> I and mean, um, there's some other stuff that they did that i, I i'm gonna at some point in the future i'm actually gonna do uh not a podcast but i'm going to be doing something with uncharted and talking about the nice same kind of things i talk about with days gone because i am almost as obsessed with uncharted as i am with days gone that you said on the live stream you mentioned the uncharted trilogy and i was like oh damn richie knows what's up he doesn't like uncharted 4 either and well, you were like no 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 i just i um, haven't played the fourth e, one but i don't know but like i said you and i we're birds of a feather so i'm you know i'm just prepping myself up like my player doesn't like the fourth one and so far like you know we're 
pretty much in the same wavelength when it comes to it. I, I love Uncharted. Uncharted's the yeah. best. Like one of my fondest memories that I have is playing Uncharted 2 with my uh, little brother. And uh, the whole thing about that was that uh, he was trying to find all the artifacts. Mm. And uh, But for him, it was because, you know, he wanted the cool gold guns. And uh, I just kept playing it over and over again because I was like, I need more story. I need to see the story every time. And uh, his, his whole thing was like, wait a minute are you just playing the game over and over and over again? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, find the artifacts. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's fine. And you know, it was like a symbiotic relationship. He got his golden guns and, and, and I got to experience the story over and over again. The three games that I've played, uh, not hating on the fourth one, cause I haven't played it yet, but the three games are awesome. Like it's mm-hmm. just one after the other, like, which it's one's your one favorite? Of, uh, well, my heart says the third one. Uh, yeah, I love the third one. The third one, <laughs> the third one is like, uh, come on, shit got real. Like it was awesome. The second one is my uh, second favorite because it's the closest to. Um, I like uh, fun, you know, blockbuster. Uh, uh, oh man, this I already lost the bet. I'm gonna talk about the mummy, but I love. Films, <laughs> I was gonna say I was like, gonna bring uh, it up a, if you didn't. <laughs> you take a shot when you talk about schizo. You take a sh- I t- you take a shot when I talk about the mummy, and then we both die from alcohol poisoning. So because yes. that it'll never end. But it's uh it's got that same vibe where the first one is like in a in a movie trilogy. The first one kind of sets up the universe. It's good, but uh it it's just like eh, it's good. I like it. It's a nice romp. Second one, yeah, the second one ramps it up. You got this villain that's like, on paper, it seems kind of goofy to have someone that overpowered, that evil, that sinister. But it works. Like Lazarevich. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah. And the second one, you know, uh, face it, you got played. I used to say that all the time. All the time. It was just like, just... You know, I even did the hand things and people would go, well, what's wrong with him? I'm just going to game, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then the third one, uh, what I like about the third one is that shit got real. Um, you have you have someone like basically you watch Nate progress as like basically a, a, a movie action star. And then you have the villain come up and say, you ain't shit. <laughs> I remember you when you were just a little shit and uh, you have no power over me. Mm-hmm. And uh the only thing that can destroy me is a supernatural. That's the other thing I like about these games is that the villain doesn't really get owned by Nate. These villains kind of like Indiana Jones style. They get totally destroyed by this like supernatural power, you know, by their own greed for power. Yeah. 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 It's their, them. Well, I, I suppose that's the correct way. That's the correct answer. <laughs> that's what a writer would say. <laughs> yeah. But for me, I'm like, yeah, but but for me, I'm like, oh, man, Genie destroyed your ass or something (laughs) like that. Or just like, oh, the the golden statue turned you into a freaking zombie or whatever. (laughs) But, you know, you're the writer version's better. Your explanation of things. <laughs> it's also the British accent. It just makes me sound like I know what I'm talking about, which is well, completely yeah. not true. I have, I have no idea what I'm saying half the time. Well, as you know, as a, a man who lives in America, I said that weird, but uh, <laughs> I am trained uh, as, a, as a true American. When I hear a British voice, I'm always a little bit cautious. Because you're either trying, you're you're either, either my, smarter than you or mocking you. <laughs> yeah, you're or both, uh, I think. <laughs> And uh, uh, and and you're either trying to steal the same thing I'm trying to steal, or you're trying to take over, and uh, like 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 Star Wars, uh, you're right. trying to oppress me in some strange way, and I'm just uh, I'm I'm just part of the rebellion. 
So, you know, I mean, you're it's, just, it's you're not just untrue. Me rebel, you're calling me rebel scum, like the mm-hmm. entire uh, two hour, uh, two hour movie length. So, you know, that's yeah. works, I'm going to, I should add that to the intro that you are rebel scum. Oh uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> no, I, I take that with pride. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I want to talk about live streaming because you just started doing live streaming and you're doing days gone and some other games as well. Tell me about it. How's it going? Uh, so far so good. Um, I think the hardest part of streaming is, uh, trying to have a conversation with a theoretical person that's out there. Now, normally, um, when you're having a conversation with a person, you can see them as I'm seeing you, uh, you can see how they react. You, if you're doing a bit, it also performing, it's got a mixture of both when you're also performing, cause, uh, you can see how they react. And if you're doing a bit or if you're having a conversation and you can see uh, whether or not people are enjoying it or not, you can kind of course correct. With streaming, the best you can get is uh, someone sending you uh, a message on chat. And Same, so, you suck. Yeah, well, you know, that too. <laughs> uh, someone, uh, I can't recall like the one session I had, but I do believe uh, someone was saying something cool and then it turned out it was a bot. So I was like, cool, oh. I had my first bot. On the road to success. You know, so I know I must be doing something right. You're doing something right when the bots show up, but yeah. still, that sucks when you're like, oh, someone's running in gay. Oh, no, it's actually a bot. Never mind. No, they're like, hey, you're pretty good. Hey, by the way, I can totally hook you up with like a thousand followers and 400 <sighs> subs. And I'm like, oh, I'm talking to a robot. <laughs> but aren't we all really? I mean, I'm talking to a camera. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the the hardest part is just, um, is, is, uh, keeping a conversation and um you uh had mentioned in your live streams with Sponicus rex that uh you know talking is cool playing is cool talking and playing is the different it's a different realm and it reminds me of like uh high school when i was learning how to play a musical instrument and um it's sort of like on par with learning how to play and sing at the same time. It's Mm. not for everyone, but if you can do it, they will make you the singer. So (laughs) (laughs) that's how I got into it. They're like, wait, you can play and sing. Yeah. All right. You're the, you're you're the singer. You're you're, you're the front man. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah. See, I just, I learned how to sing. I I play no instruments, but I just like muscle my way to the front. I'm like, I'm going to just sing because that's all I can do. Yeah. But I mean, it just, it doesn't hurt to practice, but also like, I understand like when a person knows their limits, you know, they're mm-hmm. like, uh, I, I also noticed that, uh, m- m- when I was playing days gone and streaming, trying to carry a conversation, my motorcycle crash crashes went up like a thousand percent. So, um, they were right in banning, uh, texting and <laughs> driving texting at and the driving. same time because there's the evidence is right there every single time without a doubt it's not a days gone stream without crashing your bike in the weirdest and strangest way possible like how did you not see that i'm like i'm sorry i'm trying to listen to to dorito dorito crumbs 420 they're, they're making fun of my hair you know and then bam crash and so it's like see oh. i don't have that excuse i just crashed the bike anyway even when i'm not streaming well it's fun to do regardless so it you know i i'm just telling you why i do it now yeah. normally i'm like a motorcycle superstar when i'm not paying, right when of i'm course, paying yes. attention mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to get that. Oh, but speaking of which, I'm trying to get that that trophy where it says like I think it's the can you drift? It's something like you can drift for four seconds while you're on the nitro or Mm -hmm. nitrous. And that's a lot harder than I thought it was. I thought I had that figured out. And to this moment, I think like I started doing it by the beginning of December and it's been almost a month. You still don't have it? I still don't have it because I don't know how to drift. Okay, two tips. One, I realized this the other day that a lot of people don't know how the nitro works. I didn't the first time I played it. I'm used to games where you press the button to engage the nitro and it will go. Days Gone is different. You have to press and hold the button for nitro. So I think a lot of people maybe have that issue. That might be what's causing problems. That's that's me. I'm used to the classic uh, press the button and it'll do it. Yeah, engage. No, this is press and hold. And then to to do the drift, it's basically just turn and you'll just start skidding. The trick with the Apocalypse Burnout Trophy is you have to have a large area in which to do it. I did it by somewhere in Hot Springs. A lot of people find it easy to do right outside Hot Springs, but I didn't have enough room there. That that didn't work for me. Uh, Um, But near where the house and the ambulance is, outside Hot Springs, that's somewhere a lot of people do it. You can also do it up by the farm, um, by Sherman's Camp. Uh, okay yeah that's that's what i was trying to do it i i don't know if i'm right but i was under the impression that like a lot of the most area to do things like that Mm -hmm. was down south uh i was doing it by uh where the uh militia area is because i was just i was like okay there's a big stretch of highway there i think it's the i-95 area and i was just like let's do it Yeah, you need to go in kind of like a circle like just a sort of large don't really tap the brake just kind of go and turn and hit the nitro and it'll just he'll just start skidding in a circle, okay. kind of doing donuts, basically doing a donut. Well, I got the donut thing figured out. In fact, I, I think one of the first times I died from a horde was I was uh, cocky in a really cocky way. I was doing a donut. I was like, look at me. I'm doing a donut. Oh, my God. Two hundred freakers just <laughs> ate me. And uh, oh, I never I never did that like again. That. And then also uh, to sort of add insult to injury uh, after it reloaded, I think like one of the tips and tricks popped up and it says like, watch out for noise because any noise you make might attract anyone. And I was like, Tips oh, some tricks. Don't yeah. get eaten by a horde. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't do, don't do donuts. You fucking idiot. <laughs> In front of a horde. They exactly. Will fuck well, you up. I didn't know it was there. In fact, actually one of the first <laughs> tips and tricks, watch out yeah. for hordes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I first came across it, cause I, I came into the game rather blind. I mean, all I knew was that you liked playing it. So it's like, all right, let's do this. Uh, when I first encountered my first horde, I think it was the train where the Nero, uh, near kind of near mm-hmm. where Copeland's mm-hmm. the uh, campus. Death train horde, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know the specifics of what that was or what a horde was, but I learned rather quickly what the fuck a horde was when <laughs> I think yeah, because uh, one of the yeah. one, one of the missions was uh, uh, reactivate the, the near uh, yeah reactivate the Nero station, and I was mm-hmm. like all right, whatever. But they don't tell you about the hordes, at least not at that part of the game. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. This uh, this guy in a motorcycle just was like running, uh, sorry, not running, but like riding through that area. And I was like, uh, okay, I got this. Let me let me go get them. And he starts making noise. And then all of a sudden, a big pile of freakers just come from the train. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And they see me and they start chasing me. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so that was my first introduction to the That's horde. Amazing. I love that. Yeah, because they so, do kind of fall out of those cars that are on the bridge above yeah, the road. Yeah, it's, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know because like I usually attack them at night 
which is mm -hmm. a strange thing that I do is like I'd I like that as well. Yeah, because I I want to I want to know where they are and how how big the pile is. Um, but uh, that first time when I wasn't aware of the how it worked, uh, they yeah they're the only ones as far as I know like that area because they're on top they just start falling down, and uh, I didn't get that vibe again until uh, I think I saw the most recent Matrix. They there's a similar thing going on where they just kind of fall and pile like that, and I was like, ooh, I'm getting free, I'm getting flashbacks, I'm getting freaker flashbacks. No 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 no, no. and uh, that's the other thing. Playing this game as much as I have, uh, I get like a Pavlovian response when I see like a red gas can. <laughs> Just... <laughs> yep, yep. I get it. Well, every time I pass a tow truck, I'm like, "Ooh, do I need gas? I'll actually check the gas I, gauge and be like, do yeah. I need to get gas? Wait, it, I'm in real life. I can't just steal gas off the back of this tow truck. I've noticed that that's uh, a main criticism that um, we'll just call them haters. But mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them will say that I don't get the gas mechanic. And as a, as a person who is always conscious about how much gas they have in their car, I was like, Deacon knows where it's at. <laughs> it's like, Deacon, Deacon knows, uh, I need gas. And it's even cooler, it's free. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm paying through the nose for gas now. But uh, in this world, you got to know where the gas is. Otherwise, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, I like it when you, I didn't realize the longest time that you can get the gas straight from the gas pump. Because that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, why would the gas pumps be on in the post-apocalyptic world? Like, they would That's be off. True. So I'd have to hunt around for the red gas cans. But I like it now when I roll up on the gas station and I'll pull up to the gas pump. And I'll just wait just for a minute just to see who pops out. Because they often lay ambushes at the, the, the gas stations. And I love oh, it when, marauder, uh, yeah, when the marauders... Will run out and be like, get him and run at you. And, and I just like burn off or shoot him with the SMP9 or something from the back of the bike, um, blow up a propane tank and take them out. My new oh, favorite thing fun. to do is um, uh, using bear traps to catch humans. And then when one of their friends runs over to try to help them out of the bear trap, throwing a Molotov on both of them. Oh, that's nice. that's my current favorite little <laughs> nasty thing to do that's to the ambushes. Well, I mean, they're trying to steal, they're trying to kill you and steal your shit. As far as I yeah. know, that's uh, that's an eye for an eye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, my current favorite thing to do is to, uh, if if applicable, um, they will be, I, I either get a freaker, usually a breaker, or mm -hmm. I think the buff ones, uh, yeah. if I'm not correct. Yeah. To get the buff guy, uh, the buff freaker, and uh, have them follow me if I have to clear a marauder camp or something. And just have them just I'm like, you know what? Don't attack me. I'm going to drag you into these guys so that when the Marauders show, like when they start attacking, all of a sudden it's so cool to see how the um, for lack of a better word, the AI, the 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 NPCs, how they interact with each other, because like usually like if you're attacking one, they'll probably just wander off and go back to their area. That's not the case sometimes. As far as I know, like. I'll have like a horde following me and they'll interact with the Marauder camp. The Marauder mm -hmm. camp will start, will stop shooting me and will deal with the, uh, with, with the horde, which is like my other favorite thing to do. Cause fuck them. That's why. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's one of my <laughs> but favorite they'll things stop, to do. They'll, they'll, they'll stop attacking me and mm -hmm. they'll start killing the horde, which helps me. Cause it's like, you know, Machiavellian kind of thing. You can also so cool. use animals for that as well. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
I will try that because I, I feel really bad sometimes. I usually don't kill the animals unless they start attacking me. Like I, well, yeah, but if you've got a I, bear following you, you might as well because the bears are pretty slow as well. So you can like leisurely drive up to the ambush camp and then burn out and the bear will take over. Uh, yeah. The people will start shooting the bear and the bear will go in and fuck them up. But I feel bad like when I see like when I see the bears, like unless the game says like you like there's that part of the game where you're supposed to take deer meat. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll attack the deer meat because that's the that's the objective. But in general, I don't like hunting the animals uh, mm -hmm. unless like the bear will start. If the bear notices me, I feel bad because I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, bear. I'm going to kill you. Also, I'm going to take your meat because I get camp credit that way. But yep. uh, but uh, when they're infected, then all bets are off. Like, well, fuck right. you, uh, rager. <laughs> yeah. I just ignore them most of the time. Um, yeah. Have you tried pulling freakers and hordes into ripper camps? Uh, no, but that sounds like fun because if anyone really deserves a, a horde, well, actually, you know what? Technically speaking, they would love that because they'd finally be validated. They're like, hey, we want to be just like you. Hey, they came over. Nice. Oh, I'm dead. You know, that's it's interesting what happens. I don't want to spoil it for you, but you, if you can get a freaker to get into a ripper camp and just sit back and observe and use binoculars to, to keep your eye on the rippers. Do they, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to guess because spoiling doesn't really uh, I'm, I'm not one to be ruined by a spoiler, but I'm going to assume that given their the way they think uh, uh, ideology-wise, I would assume that they wouldn't do anything. They would just let themselves get ripped apart. They, uh, they, they drop to their knees and oh. start worshipping the freaks. Nice. Well, yeah, that makes sense. And they just because, like uh, do this like little prayer pose or something, just kind of like humbled before, you know, their, their deity... And uh, yeah, and they start, I, don't, I can't remember what they say, but they say something. Um, Probably like, oh, thank goodness for freaks or something. Yeah, pray, I don't, pray, I don't know. I, like I said, I've never seen it. And then the freak just is doing what the freak does and just comes up and starts slashing at them. And you're just sitting yeah. behind a wall or something watching this unfold, just giggling and Be laughing. Giggling like, ha <laughs> or just like, you know, like a... Uh, mesmerized like the uh, kid from Jurassic Park when the uh, T-Rex is eating that uh, yeah the, that scene where the T-Rex gets those bird dinosaurs and mm -hmm. he's like oh that's so cool look at that blood and you're just like oh okay that's nice <laughs> so where can people watch your live streams um, they can find me on Twitch uh, the uh, screen name is uh, just Richie uh, sorry just underscore Richie uh, R-I-T-C-H-I-E and uh, the underscore, uh, the symbol, not just writing it out loud. So J-U-S-T <laughs> underscore, underscore R-I-T-C-H-I-E. Yeah, that's the one. That's the that's the name I got. I got 60 days with the screen name until I decided to pick something something else. But I think I feel like that's going to stay because that's just my way of learning. Uh, you picked it. There it is. That's how it's going to be. But uh, I don't know. With the consequences. Well, for now. Yeah, might as well because uh, for future for future listeners, you know, uh, yeah, just underscore Richie. All right, so let's get on to the topic. Um, now, this episode idea came about because you made a post on Instagram about the politics of Days Gone um, just after you'd finished a playthrough. Do you have a political science background? Uh, yeah, uh, I graduated with a bachelor's at uh, UC Riverside. Um, Shout out Tartans. Hell yeah. Anyways, uh, decided to do a shout out for the old alma mater. Um, in when I play video games, um, I have this thing in the back of my head where I just want like, you know, I love absorbing the lore of any game. 
and whether I'm playing Metal Gear, Resident Evil, or even, you know, Paw Patrol, like Special Forces Assault game for kids, um, I'm always thinking about the, the sort of like the political analysis of what's going on. Because even if you're playing a kid's game, there's always something going on there that like kids are smart and and uh, you pick up these things. And so every time I play a game, especially with um, the company, when I found out that Ben Studios made Days Gone, I sort of like was like, hell yeah, dude, these guys did Siphon Filter. Um, my little junior high school kid heart uh, grew like five sizes when I found <laughs> out that these were the same guys. The The stun gun that you get, mm-hmm. uh, which that was a pain in the ass. There was like one... There was one part that I was missing, spent days going insane looking for it. And then when I found out where it was, because I gave up, I'm like, where is it? Oh, it was right under my nose the whole fucking time. That's great. But Which one stun- was it? Where was it? Um, it was the bridge next to, it's down south where the military is. I, I wish I was as good as uh, locating maps like like you and the and the previous guests when i hear uh when i hear you guys talk about it you guys know where everything is instantaneously but for me it's like uh uh it's down south southern part of the map where there's marsh on mm, the bottom oh, right yeah yeah right at the very bottom yeah because that's where all those that's where all those damn crows yeah that's where all those damn crows are at uh i hate those crows but anyways it's got like a swamp thing going on and then there's a nero station there where there's a bridge uh that i that's as far as i know in terms of recalling off the top of my head but the, that's where the part was and when i got it um the stun gun it's a siphon filter stun gun and so mm-hmm. i was like i put two and two together and i was like oh yeah so uh as about as as about as far back as i can remember when i played a video game um super mario or whatever i'm always thinking about the political ramifications of a game so here we are we were talking just a little before we started recording about uh, just kind of running through our, our talking points here. And you said that you you read or you had the opinion that it was clear that Americans wrote the story for Days Gone. Can you explain that statement and elaborate a little bit, please? We don't have. OK, so Americans, uh, it's it's not really a. a a big secret or a mystery that Americans have this like unique reputation uh, that the rest of the world has about us. Um, In uh, the end of 2020, uh, I picked up cyberpunk and uh, all controversy aside uh, (laughs) about the game, um, when you're playing the game, uh, the attitude that they have about Americans is like stereotypical and what i mean by stereotypical i I don't mean like oh i'm really insulted it's just like it's clear that when they wrote it it's like a a a european wrote the sort of character of what an american is which is like guns freedom america you know like uh as if like uh and the i'm not debating that that's wrong you know i'm i'm pretty uh on the uh left side of the spectrum when it comes to political uh, politics. Uh, So I would be the first one to also be like, yeah, that'd be some of them. But the idea of like uh, simplifying it as that is uh, it's a bit much. It's a reputation we certainly earned within the last couple of years. Not going to lie, you know, Um, but uh, with this game, when you sort of look at the characters, uh, it's clear that, you know, Americans wrote it 
And it's coming from a place of like complexity because uh, your average person uh, is not going to have these uh, stereotypical things about their politics on their shoulder, on, on their, they're not wearing it as a badge. Some of them do, but in general, you're not going to notice right off the bat how a person feels about ideology. It's only when you hang out with them and you hear them talk, or if you, you know, in these days and age, you know, how do you have a debate that doesn't end in people, you know, insulting each other? Mm-hmm. But, but in general, if you're having a decent conversation or you're having a, you know, a, a respectful one, um, you can kind of hear the subtlety and what they believe in in a conversation. And this game really does that. And uh, in doing my homework, um, I did come across this article from a U.S. Gamer from 2019 when the game first came out. They interviewed the uh, creative director, John Garvin, and the interview was just basically like, um, because they're from Oregon, and uh, Oregon has a has a history uh, of being sort of like a hotbed for right-wing militias. There was that um, famous thing that happened, I think I want to say 2016 or something, with the uh, Bundy farmers. They sort of like... Uh, barricaded themselves in a plot of land because they felt right. like the gov- because the government uh they felt like the government was taking too much from them with uh, some sort of land land claim or something and uh it, within the year of 2020 with all the uh talk about political uh unrest with what had been going on with uh with police and uh brutality um when you see the stories going up about the protests and the riots uh the most famous ones that I saw in the articles were in the Oregon area. So this company, uh, Ben Studios, really understood the sort of population that they were dealing with. They weren't specifically targeting all Americans. They were just dealing with what would happen if the world ended and you're in a place like Oregon and you're left with people who survived. What would that political landscape still be? Mm. And... um, I think that's uh, I think that's a really interesting thing for what it's worth. You know, I don't think they were trying to really tell you um, that this was bad. Uh, And uh, I think what they're trying to do is like they're they're painting a picture apocalypse uh, and you have a bunch of uh, people and what they believe in. Does does politics still work in this environment? And the answer is sort of <laughs> it depends on where you're at you know depends on what camp you're in what group you function with and and as you know as you'll see as uh, as you play the game for those who have or are just listening because they're you know they just like listening to podcasts um if you do play the game you'll notice right off the bat that they're very subtle about they're very subtle about at, at the very least they're very subtle about how deacon believes in things because uh, there are some characters like Copeland, uh, yeah, conspiracy man. There are some people like Tucker that are like, okay, they're a hard ass. You know, uh, they they worked in the prison. You got to be like tough as nails. So their political ideology is probably like conservative of sorts. Then you meet someone like Iron Mike, who uh, th- that one's a little bit more complicated. But you get the feeling that like he's also leaning towards right. But at the very least, he's very lenient uh, about, you know, uh, you can tell with like uh, Ricky, like he doesn't have a he doesn't have an opinion about Ricky in mm-hmm. terms of like 
what her beliefs are, what she represents, you know, who does she date and all that stuff. You know, as long as uh, they get the job done, they don't care. And it just kind of falls through the spectrum of each character. Those are just some examples, but, you know, that's yeah. how I look at it. And with in terms of this, uh, in terms of the game itself, um, I don't think you could have gotten that if like the game developers were from another country that is to say that that's not to say that um uh they couldn't it's just that when you see a game like cyberpunk and their depiction of what they think america is going to be like in the future and a game like days gone where they're trying to figure out uh how would a group of americans in a particular part of the country would react um i would say that days gone does a better job at at that it's like you said it's so hyper specific that it's not America, it's Oregon. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, a specific rural part of Oregon as well. I mean, you can't get much more specific than that. You know, you said that if someone from another country wrote Days Gone, it would be very different. I think if someone from another state wrote it, you uh, know, true. if it was set in yeah. California, if it was set in Florida, if it was set in New York, if it was set, you know, wherever you want to set it, it's going to be very different and very specific in this kind of way. And I'm really glad we're doing this episode and having this conversation because I know I'm about to learn a whole fuck ton about politics and about Days Gone because I, obviously as a Brit, as someone who's never been to Oregon, there's a lot that I don't know about American culture, American politics, Oregon culture, Oregon politics. Um, so I feel like we're going to get into some real cool detailed right. stuff. Well, that's true. I mean, I've only been up north uh, for a tour for like three weeks. So, I mean, that's not enough to say that I know. But what I did experience over there when I saw the game, first of all, it's really neat. I, I was like, they got the whole forest thing down for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and as in terms of you're correct, um, to sort of piggyback on that. Yeah, I think that if a Californian were to write the game, I mean, it's a blinker. It's a blinker and you miss it moment. But the only time I only felt like it made sense in terms of like, for example, I'm from like California, uh, when the doctor in Wizard Island, when mm. when he describes what happened in L.A., I'm like, OK, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what that, I, I felt that for like it's a brief moment about the gangs coming together. Yeah, the gangs coming together. And it's like, OK, that kind of makes, you know, I couldn't tell you with a hundred percent certainty that that's exactly what would happen if we found ourselves in that situation. But the way he describes it, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm from LA, you know, this is what happened. And I'm just like, well, I'm, you know, yeah, that's kind of how Californians would do it. Uh, yeah, that's a you sort of like good. You look at it and go, okay, yeah, I, I've been in LA. I've been there for a while. That makes sense. So mm -hmm. Ben studios from Oregon. Who better than Ben Studio to talk about what goes on in Oregon? So it's yeah. just like perfect. I liked yeah. it. And so it shows in the game and within the interview itself that he did with uh, with sorry, uh, John Garvin did with uh, US Gamer. It's certainly you can totally tell that at the very least they know who they were writing about. Mm -hmm. So, that, you know, and so uh, it's it's very interesting I, that that I can say. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Let's go camp by camp. Let's start with Hot Springs, Tucker's let's camp. Do it to it. <laughs> um, so I I want to know how you define this because I see it as like a, a dictatorship, a slave camp, very authoritarian. What is the correct term or 
or what could be a correct term for this kind of political structure? Well, you hit it. I mean, you knocked it out of the park when you said it. It's definitely an authoritarian situation. There's only one person in charge, and that person is Tucker. Um, what I found interesting about uh, not just Hot Springs, but just all the camps in general, this idea of like, who's going to be in charge in your group, in your camp specifically, um, and who you find out is in charge of the camp, uh, as I was playing it for the first time, you can kind of tell why. Because who survived in, you know, I think the game, I think in Hot Springs, uh, there's a, there's a, I think when you're in the golf cart the first time, I think Tucker's the one that says it, something like, who who survived? It's the, it's the tough guys. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the criminals. It's the fucking assholes that stuck around. Yeah. Um, and so those uh, those types of personality would be the ones who would, in a, an environment like that, if someone like that would tell you, I'm in charge, and you don't have any experience of survival whatsoever, somehow you've made it, and all you want is safety, uh, you will basically shrug your shoulders and go, okay, you're in charge. You seem to know what you're doing. And in the case of Tucker... The unfortunate, the unfortunate aspect of it is that the only thing that Tucker knows is how to run a prison. So guess what? Your camp's a prison camp. Mm. And um, so, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I, if I remember correctly, uh, Tucker wasn't a warden in the prison per se. I think she just worked in a prison. Correct. So this is a definite promotion for her um, being essentially what I'm going to assume is she sees herself as like the ultimate warden in this prison camp. Now, they're not going to tell you it's a prison camp. It's just something you find out uh, either you know already because you're like Deke and you're feeding uh, potential uh, workers for the camp or you're like in a situation like Lisa was where you think you found salvation. You go in there and then you find out right off the bat that <laughs> things are not as what they seem. Yeah. And uh, and that's how you find out right off the bat. Um, I believe with Tucker's camp with Hot Springs, there is a second in command. The name escapes me. Uh, forgive me. Alki. Okay. Forgive me. Second playthrough. <laughs> just sort of <laughs> going around. Uh, so Alki is second in command. And as far as I know the details, uh, I think that's the only the only two well-known individuals that sort of run things. Obviously, Tucker is at the top. Alki is second in command. Um, and uh Everyone else just kind of does what Tucker says. Interestingly, and, I'm just going to interject for a second. No, yeah. So the relationship with Alki, she's Tucker is still very much in charge, but I kind of get the impression that Alki he turns a blind eye to a lot of what happens, but he doesn't seem to really be necessarily in agreement with what's going on. You sort of almost get the impression that he maybe doesn't have as much power as he seems to have. He just seems to be kind of non-confrontational a little bit with Tucker and just sort of accepts her power. Yeah, he he's, seems to be the only one that is allowed to be, uh, I don't want to say the voice of dissent, but I kind of want to think that he's the only one that's allowed to sort of give her like a, a different opinion. Mm, um, mm-hmm. But she doesn't listen to it. That's kind of what I, I no, mean. Is like no. she, he does tell her at one point, like I, I forget the details, but he says something about. I think it's when they're talking about the dig, 
Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and he's, he's like, you yeah. know, it's not going to work. And she's like, I don't fucking care. It has yeah. to work. It's going to get done. Whether it takes all year, it's going to get fucking done. Like, what do you want me to do? Shut the yeah, fuck up. he knows he knows the geology of uh, of the area. I think that's the mm. correct way to say that. But he yeah. knows that that this land that they're on is totally not uh, the right kind of land to farm. He says there's a lot of iron underneath, or he says that it's it's, it's too it's too tough to to dig into it. You it's need like, like machines, um, lava. Uh, what's the fucking term? Um, lava magma. rock or magma? Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Some kind of some kind of hard rock that you can't just pick at it. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. eight hours at a time. You need either the machines, the you need the tech for it, which they don't have, or the manpower, which they don't have. And so I don't, yeah, I, I would say you're correct in the sense that he doesn't really hold any power, but for some reason, Tucker tolerates uh, that conversation. But I would also like to think that the reason why she tolerates it is because, yeah, I'm not going to listen. You can talk about all you want, but I'm not going to do it. I think mm. she says something like, I don't give a shit. Just fucking bring me men or yeah. something like, or bring me workers. Because she's also, for what it's worth, like what I noticed about uh, the camps, uh, they don't seem to care who they get. It's just, can they work? And in that aspect, that makes sense because the number one thing you want is how you're going to survive. Mm. I think that's one of the main aspects of uh, what the creative director was saying, which was like, everything is tied to two things, surviving and making the world safer. And with, um, uh, with Hot Springs and with Tucker, Tucker only knows one way of doing things and that's running a prison. And so you're going to treat, you, you, you do what you know and you run, uh, you run the camp like a prison. And uh, I think one of the things that uh, struck me uh, as uh, interesting is that while you're roaming around the camp and you're just interacting with whatever uh, the, the mechanic and, and Alki and all that stuff, you kind of see how, and I, I'm sure you've mentioned this a lot in the other podcasts, you hear the dialogue, how they treat the guards, treat the workers or the camp members. They treat them really terribly, you know, like get to work or something. Um, they actually uh, beat uh, them. You see them, yeah, they beat like, them. beating people and Deacon will actually comment on it sometimes. Yeah. And just like, eh, just get his reaction is never like his, his reaction is like, Hey, leave them alone. Yeah, leave him alone. Come on, like, he's gonna. On, they're dude. gonna do it. Come on, you got this. I think I caught one where basically Deke is trying to uh, make him feel better, but in a way that's like very oh yeah, disingenuous. he says like just just work, just do what they <laughs> yeah, want just, you to do, and do it, you'll be just, fine. Just do it. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And the other guy's like, "Fuck off, dude! <laughs> I just got hit in the gut with an AK or whatever gun they're using." Yeah. Um, so. Uh, it's just that that's the power dynamic. There's one person in charge. That's me. There's no council. There's no, uh, there's a second in command. As long as you do exactly as I ask you to, things will be fine. Exactly and, as uh, I tell you to. Yeah. And there's an analog for that. Um, it reminds me of like the structure in uh, either the book or in the movie uh, Starship Troopers. Mm. It's specifically the movie because uh, the one of the, one of the, uh, guys in charge of his unit says like i'm picking you to be in charge you're it until you're dead or i find someone better <laughs> and i think that's the situation with alki i think alki is a person that um tucker finds like you're the best one out of all these these idiots and until i find a much better version of you or you die 
it'll have to be someone else. Yeah. Alkai so does seem pretty smart, pretty um, intelligent, um, level-headed. Mostly, I mean, I'm not with Deacon, but for the most part, he seems pretty friendly. Not friendly, like overtly friendly, but like he seems like the sort of person you could have a conversation with, um, you know, maybe uh, in like, the, the two, old yeah. world. Yeah, out, of, out of the two of them, out of the two of them, yeah, I'd probably have a better conversation with Alkai than Tucker. Yeah. Tucker is like cynical as fuck, you know. Yeah. Well, I think he says something like, uh, "What are you going soft on me, Deke?" or something like that. Like that, that idea of like, "I'm hard as hell. I'm never gonna not be hard as hell. And if I do break character, it's not gonna be in front of anyone but myself." Mm-hmm. Which even then, I I would think that in her own private moment, she would try to. Uh, uh, she would try to prison warn her way out of the blues or something. Well, it's funny because you do find a collectible that shows that her husband committed suicide. Oh, geez, I I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, um, that that definitely adds. That's what I love about this game. Like, there's always something that you find out either through the collectibles or the through listening to your podcast. You mentioned like mission logs and the notes. I found a. Uh, I know it's got nothing to do with the politics aspect. But uh, I found a lot of more uh, layer, uh, a lot more complexity in how Sarah felt about uh, realizing that Deacon's still alive through her notes than I did with the way they interact in the story mm-hmm. proper. Um, because you can't really, I mean, it would be like a really terrible, I would, I'm not a writer, but I would assume it's a terrible writing strategy to literally have the characters say everything all at once, how yes. they think all the time. Mm-hmm. So you read it's the notes. It's also very unrealistic. You know, yeah, to, people no. do not act like that. They don't, people never are able to say what they mean. They get their words wrong or it comes out wrong or they forget or, you know, they can't articulate or they're just, you sometimes just can't think quick enough in the moment. You know, you want to say something, but you just can't get it out. You can't sort out your brain to like articulate. And that's what I love about those scenes is that's what's happening. And you're right, it's after when she's processing it and she's, doing her little recordings for her her work that she starts to actually organize her thoughts holy fuck deacon's still alive he he's found me he's here i still have all these feelings but i'm also trying to focus on this other thing oh my god how do i sort this out in my head sorry to go completely off no 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 it's perfect (laughs) because uh you know i'll tie it with it because at the end of the day it's about getting the job done Mm, um mm-hmm. uh, yeah i like that segue or whatever just connecting yeah. it to the topic um yeah because they're trying to get the job done and uh they don't have time for uh emotional things also i like to think that uh it's probably assume or it's probably like a, a known that uh I mentioned that the this mentality of like you're my second in command uh th- th- tucker doesn't say that but it just seems like that's the idea like you're in charge until you're dead or i find someone better part of me likes to think and um part of me likes to think that uh if deacon was the type of person to have chosen a camp and for some odd reason that he decided that hot springs is where it's at you you know for a fact that like Tucker is like Deke, you're my new second in command. Alkai, you're third place or something. Mm, do you um, think that's why Alkai maybe doesn't like Deacon? Well, at first, I think that's what's going on because I think that they've set that environment up to be like Alkai is like the most competent person, and the fact that Tucker doesn't treat uh, it, again, it's Tucker, so it's hard to say. Like, is there a favorite? 
I don't know. Uh, I guess like for Tucker, the favorite would be the one that gets the job done. Which is Deacon. Yeah, there's a couple of bounty jobs that you do when you finish them. I think there's like a a couple of references where like, "Ah, I knew you'd get it done. Or like, you know what? You're the one. I I'd like no matter what you I I don't know the I verbatim she calls him you know. dependable or something like that at some point. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. um I didn't I didn't for what I know, I didn't hear any kind of conversation where he's like, "Hey, you fucking bogarting on my job or something." No. I I think they don't like each other in the beginning. It you can tell. Also, when you get your camp trust up, then it's really hard to tell story-wise how they feel because once you max out your camp trust they'll i mean alki talks to you like your super friends when you Mm -hmm. max out so i don't know like if that fits with the lore i don't know if that's canon that like the more trust you get in a camp um because by that by that measure then everyone in that area both in the uh, northern part and the southern part they just think deacon's the coolest motherfucker that ever lived especially when you max out all the camp trust but as far as i as i can tell in the beginning uh he really doesn't much care for deacon but he respects yeah. him at the very least because he mm. knows he is a i, 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 I mean, don't know i mean the initial interaction between them is really fucking frosty no deacon, it is it is Deacon's frosty like, yeah and i think alki has a problem with him because he's a drifter and I think that's the ah, thing that when, okay, the, yeah. when the trust gets up, it's like he's almost not a drifter anymore. He's kind of one of us. Yeah. I, you know what? I forgot the factor in that, that concept. Um, the idea that he's a drifter, specifically, he, uh, if there's any group uh, that he, he feels like he's a part of, it's the mongrels. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's that concept of like, I think Alkai says it too. He's like, he says something like, why the hell are you still wearing the colors? I think he's not the only one that asks that question, but he's like one of potentially two or three other characters. I think Ricky might have asked that question too. Mm-hmm. He's like, why are you repping the colors? And so, because uh, since you mentioned it, thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, motorcycle clubs, that in itself is a political statement. And the uh, article uh, that I keep mentioning, because it's like a really good article, um, they mentioned that it's kind of a reference to the Hells Angels. And early motorcycle clubs, uh, based on the article, they are, these are like World War II veterans who came back after the war that felt kind of like off because Mm. obviously they're soldiers. They came back from, you know, the experience of war. I can't talk about that because I'm not a veteran and I could never say that I know exactly what goes on in the mind of a veteran, but it seems like they felt like, uh, it felt like the, the feds, as they keep saying in the game, uh, didn't really do much to help them afterwards. So they felt like the only people they could depend on were themselves and, uh, the one percenter patch and all that stuff. I mean, we'll talk about that in terms of, uh, how that fits with, uh, the overall theme of uh, libertarianism because that's a big that's a big thing that happens throughout the game it's not just one person that represents it uh it's the whole vibe of the whole game um that has that that has that bent and the mongrels is like one of many examples of that idea of like depend on yourself depend on your brothers depend on uh on the crew the group the club uh and i guess that makes sense because 
uh, with Alkai, you know, hey, I need you to be part of the group, but you know, fuck you, 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 you're not part of us. So as far as I know, um, if you're not one of us, you're one of them, mm. and uh, and I don't trust them, you know. So that's how I see it. Yeah. So let's. I want to talk about two things with Tucker before we move on to the other camps. Um, yeah. So first of all, just an observation. It's interesting that with Tucker's camp you don't accrue trust from sending rescues and hostages to her camp. Oh, I didn't which know I think is Yeah, which I think is really interesting. You know when you rescue the people out of cars or you rescue them from like the roadside where they've been held oh, by... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Some, some people get money and trust. Some people only get trust. Yeah, you're right. Hot, Hot Springs, Springs you only never gives get you money. Any. Yeah. Yeah, you just get money. I just think that's really interesting how it's like Tucker just... She doesn't give a shit. It's just, it's commerce. I don't fucking yeah, trust do your you. Job. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, also, you're doing a job. You're sending me a slave. How does that make you trustworthy? Like, you just basically stabbed this person in the back. In a way, I don't think she would see it like that. But it's it's just interesting that you don't get trust from that. Uh, but I want to quickly run through as well how Tucker holds all the power. And we talked a little bit about this already with the the armed guards and the beatings. Yeah, strong a strong armed a strong armed presence similar to uh, a prison environment. That's mm -hmm. usually how that. That's how I interpreted how um, Tucker was able to do it. As I said before, um, in terms of who gets to be in charge, I think just Tucker. Just the fact of the matter is, is that they had just the the attitude to be in charge. And the second thing was having you know the guards believing you know because you got to believe someone's in charge. And they just have the guns, you know, <laughs> whoever has the guns has the power in this, in this environment. So, mm -hmm. um, and then there's, there's also the question of how do you keep your, your goons, your, you know, your employees who are keeping everyone working, how do you keep them loyal or in some way willing to keep going along with this? Because you got to kind of worry at some point that someone's going to start having a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a, moral self-questioning at some point if you're beating if your job is to walk around with a gun beating people who aren't working hard enough at some point someone's going to question that and be like mm, should i be doing this yeah you run a risk uh, of two things in in this like authoritarian situation you run the risk of two potential outcomes in terms of your uh tenure as as a uh as a leader is in jeopardy and they all have the same thing. But in, since we're talking about hot springs, um, you run the risk of having, because she's treating it like a prison, you run the risk of a prison riot. Mm. And that's something that, uh, that uh, I'm sure Tucker has calculated in their head. And the solution to a prison riot in terms of the workers is to have the armed guards, you know, handle. But what you're saying is uh, uh, how do you keep the armed guards happy? And in that sense, uh, that part isn't really insinuated in the game, but I would have to say that uh, from a practical standpoint, you'd have to give these guys perks. Mm -hmm. um, they don't really describe the perks, but I would assume that if you're an armed guard and you do what she asks you to do, which is to and well, essentially oppress the shit out of these uh, people, um, you probably get better food, more food. You don't have to worry about food. Uh, you got a place to sleep. Um, uh, you have some kind of influence. I mean, I'm basing it on on uh, on uh, Iron Mike's camp um, with uh, Schizo and his uh, and his security goons. Um, 
there is a sense of like, if you do what I tell you to do, you will get rewarded. As to what they get rewarded, I don't know unless I completely missed it. And and because I don't really hang out. I didn't hang out in Hot Spring Camp as much. It was like the least place to be. Never hung out there until recently. It was the least place, unless it was, yeah, doing the least, the least of stuff. Uh, And, uh, or if I just needed to get like, uh, it was just a place where I just went in there. I sort of looked at the ground. This is what I do when I have to go somewhere that I don't want to go. I just pop in, I look on the ground, I ask what I need to do, I do it and I walk away. And that's it. I try to avoid hearing the noises of the poor bastards that are getting hit by the guns. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, okay, see you later. Bye. (laughs) So, um, so I would assume uh, that the armed guards or whoever's part of Tucker's like security crew, because let's face it. um, I'm sure that there's only one, um, one portion of her camp that she really gives uh, uh, a shit about. And that's security detail. Um, trying to ensure that it's safe. Yeah, okay. They all do that. Trying to ensure that no one leaves. That's probably number one on the list besides making sure that the camp is safe. So mm-hmm. you definitely need a group of people to do that. And you definitely need a group of people that are happy doing that. Because you're right. I probably at some point sooner or later would have to ask myself, uh, unless you're okay with it, but sooner or later, you're going to have to ask yourself like, how long can I keep doing this before it starts affecting me? So, you know, that's that's the question right there. Yeah. So one thing I've mentioned on the podcast before is this theory that Tucker uses comfort women, sex slaves, whatever you want to call it, prostitutes, however it may be structured. And it's it's very much a, a theory that is not mentioned in the game or, or really kind of um, even really alluded to. But when you start to break it down, as we are doing, of like how... Tucker would hold all the power. What are those perks she has to give the security detail? You know, how do you keep them happy? What is a basic human need aside from security and a place to sleep and food? I mean, it's it's sex. Uh, it's a very powerful tool to be used when you're trying to control people. And uh, I mentioned on the podcast before this theory that there are sex noises that you can hear in hot springs. One of the things that the game does is it it doesn't really deal with the the sort of darker side of the apocalypse in terms of rape and sexual assault. The game purposefully, I think, kind of alludes to it, alludes to the fact this is going to exist in this world, but doesn't really ever talk about it. There's only a couple missions, I think, which really sort of insinuated that that's what's happening and it's, it's never overt. But... Spornicus Rex had said that he had been in the camp one time and heard undeniable sex noises. And it's weird that it's in Hot Springs, not in Lost Lake or Copeland's camp or any other place. It's in Hot Springs, which is the least sexy place to be. No, yeah, if you yeah, are definitely. if you are there as a worker, you you're you're going to be too tired to do anything you know you're beaten and you're practically starved and you have to work from dawn till dusk you're not gonna be having you know fun times after dark so the the theory could be that tucker is using some of the women in the camp maybe as sex slaves to keep the goons satiated it's been a kind of ongoing question, both on the podcast and on the live streams that I do with Rex, 
a lot of people saying, no, it's it's not real, it's not true. There's actually a, a hospital triage, uh, like a medical infirmary right next to the camp uh, that where all the tents are. And everyone's like, no, it's it's groaning from that. It's not you, you're just a perp. It's not it's not sex noises. It's the moans and groans from injured people in the triage unit. I can see. Well, I, I can see the the both both sides of the story. I, I haven't really seen or have done actually the the work to to get that uh, noise kicked in in the game. Well, I can confirm. I heard it the other day. I was playing oh. it just just a couple days ago. It's definitely sex noises. Absolutely, unmistakably sex noises. That makes sense. Uh, you were mentioning that on the stream the other time. You were mm-hmm. like, I know the difference. And I was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> certified, because you can, certified. You, you can hang out by the infirmary. People do make little groans and moans. And it's like, well, okay, maybe that could be mistaken for sex noises. Yeah. But this one, what I heard, and I was actually, um, it was during the cutscene when you drive around the golf cart with Tucker. And, uh, and she does her little speech, you know, uh, telling you about, about the camp and, and everything. And, and we drove through the campsite and undeniable sex noises okay. coming from one of the tents. And unfortunately, I tried to record the video and it doesn't let you record the cutscenes. Yeah, it didn't, that's a, that's it didn't always, capture it. That's, a, that's the part of the, when you, when you try to get the proof on it and you're like, oh no, I can't do it. It's uh, like trying to get a picture of Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's always when they're about to leave, does the camera work all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to bring it up because, you know, we yeah. talked about it before and there's a lot of like, well, I don't know, that sounds like a bit of a stretch. Like, I, I don't know if that's too, kind of too dark for this world, a little too serious. Um, but I, I can confirm there are sex noises coming from hot springs. And like I said, hot springs does not sound like, or seem like the kind of place where you would be having fun in that regard. No, not for, not for the, I keep, not, not for the people that are actually doing the work, not the campers. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to start calling them campers now, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Unhappy campers. <laughs> Unhappy campers. That's not the camp you want to go out and have a good time. Yes. Um, not to make, I mean, I'm not definitely not making light of the situation, uh, but I will say this in this game. No, they're not going to make it dark. Um, but unfortunately, um, it is a, it is a possibility that it, that that does happen in a place like that, Mm -hmm. because that would, I mean, that is a situation where it's, uh, it's even though Tucker, um, is the one in charge. Tucker knows who they're dealing with. They're dealing with dudes. And unfortunately, I mean, it is a situation that presents itself in the game because there's two situations in the game. They're subtle about it, but there's the situation where you're helping, uh, you're helping Ricky find the twins. And Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're piecing together, when you're piecing together what happened as to why they're one of the, one of the twins is dead and there's a dude on the bed, you know, bled to death or something. It depicts the picture of like, Oh, he was about to do something really fucked up to her. And um, she took him out and he took her out and that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the second thing was the inference of uh, Ricky's like, no, uh, Deke says, why, why does Addie have such a, fucking strange uh to him it's strange but why does it why does addy have such a strong uh attitude i i was it addy or is it ricky he makes a mention in the dam like like why do you two hate uh schizo so much and um 
she mentions, oh, he was perving on us. And Deke's like, oh, geez, oh, fucking Schizo. And I also I, I also was like, oh, Schizo, you greasy fuck. <laughs> you know, uh, I discovered the Polaroids after um, after I uh, decide to ride with Iron Mike so he can show me the pass to go south. Um, for some reason, I just for the first time, I discovered all the all the huts or mm-hmm. all, all the all the cabins or something. Yep. And I came across Schizo's can- uh, cabin, but I didn't know it was his until I picked up the item of the Polaroids. And I was just like, oh, Schizo. Oh, geez. Oh, you greasy, greasy fuck. You yeah. Know? <laughs> They're kind of like, hard to see, but if you do no, if you go into you photo can... mode, you can see that one of them at least is, it, it's not clear who it is, but it's like a woman yeah. getting undressed. You know, but she's... as as a as a guy though, when you see a a, 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 a schizo, skeezy schizo, I don't know why they don't call him that in the game. But but as a guy, when you see any Polaroid and you're by yourself and you see that and you're just like, oh, you poor you poor bastard. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's also two points at which it it talks about, uh, or the game insinuates um, the sort of sexual assault and, and and you know basically the imbalance of power between uh, uh men and women in, in a, that situation there's a third one um i believe i forget her name um oh the uh the prison yeah the prison the prisoner the, yeah in the militia camp the girl who's has all the face tats and and she wants her rings back or she, wants, she yes. take her yeah yeah that one yeah when you um when you go and because you go and find her twice and i forget which time it is but she's basically there's a group of, of guys who have um, obviously captured her and have very obvious intentions of what they're going to do with her. And she, I think she stabs one of them or. Yeah. You think you're going to, yeah, you think you're going to save her, but in actuality, she already saved herself. And yeah. You walk yeah. She's, in. she's you're actually badass. more afraid. Yeah. You're actually more afraid of her killing you as opposed to you. Like, cause he goes in there guns blazing. Like, all right, I got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the guy that um, with the, with the uh, AWOL guy. Right. Um, that's the one that, Deacon sort of uh, roasts uh, the captain uh, saying, oh, that's your guy, right? And he's like, no, that's not a fucking guy. Like, fuck that guy. He's breaking the rules left and right. But yeah, he uh, that's the third one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so for, it is uh, in the game, that. but really only three instances. And I, I, I don't think it needs more than that because we all know that this would happen in a post-apocalyptic world. You don't need to overtly state it. But yeah, it's just interesting that they have the, the noises in Tucker's camp and I just think specifically, that, yeah, I, I'm thinking, that, that indicates I'm thinking, it's, not, it's a fourth instance of sexual assault, not, oh, it's just some people hooking up in a tent because. Yeah, what if else I remember correctly, you guys, you mentioned throughout the podcast that like sex is like probably low on the list of things. I, and they don't specify like camp, camp life. I heard like a couple of stories with other like NPCs. Probably there's one, if I might be correct in lost lake there is like an npc like a a, a lady who talks about like getting busy or something and then the story ends with like and then the freakers happen or something and i think like the moral i think the moral this i i I heard a conversation but if i remember correctly the i i learned that the moral of the story even then before you you uh specify that like having sex is like the last thing you want to do because Mm. you know you don't want to get caught literally with your pants down with the freakers um, so I would have to assume that n- no one's got having sex in the brain in, in that, in that realm. Mm-hmm. So, but also you're right. Um, the game would probably take, a, a not that it's a bad thing because I think you should be aware that a situation like that 
does happen. Historically, there are examples of comfort women um, in times of war or not even times of war, just in general. There's a long history of of uh, of oppressive uh, regimes resorting to this type of uh, of uh, terrible behavior to ensure uh, loyalty to the guards. And mm-hmm. I mean, r- I mean, real talk, I wouldn't put it past Tucker to use also, that as, as, as a strategy to, to appease the men. Cause like, you know, they're, they need to be I, I, like, I'm not, uh, whatever. Like I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole, but I will say that that is definitely something that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't mention it in the game, but that doesn't mean that that's not a thing that could happen. So, and also, you know. not to get too dark with this. Oh, go ahead, because talking... I, I love dark, cynical. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really do. I, I um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say, in terms of if you're bringing people into the camp, every person you bring into the camp is a mouth to feed. So they have to provide more value to you than the cost of keeping them. Yeah, you, you have to make sense, yeah. So if you're bringing in, you know, the, these, she mentions at one point that she has, you know, the people who are sort of running it or, or her armed guards and whatnot are the, the criminals and the bad elements and the people who can take care of themselves. Those are the people that she elevates to a position of power, the, the, or relative power, the, um, the armed guards and the security. And then the rest, she refers to the, the other people who come in as, um, weak and cowering and looking for me looking to me to feed them and it's like okay so you're bringing people in you're making them work that's the trade-off but not all of them i mean someone like lisa well what real work can she do she's a teenage girl She's not particularly strong, you know. No, they w- it would be a waste of time to have her, you know, go in there and try to do what. Try to swing an axe or something yeah. to cut through the bedrock. So, again, like I said, not to get too dark, but like what value could someone like Lisa bring if she yeah. can't work in the fields, put her to work in the tents? Yeah. And and I, I completely agree. Like, I, I don't want to shy away from it. I mean, there's a part of me that does because it, it's an uncomfortable feeling realizing someone like like Lisa finding herself in that situation. Um, but the unfortunate truth is, is that that type of thing happens all the time, mm. especially in that power dynamic where you find yourself in a situation where it's either safe in here or the freaks. And if if uh you know you said that tucker said like oh they're cowardly and they expect things to 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 be safe and stuff and 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 the sort of idea it's like they want me to provide all this stuff for free no nobody nobody gets this for free mm-hmm. and uh you you got to put in your work and like you said the unfortunate thing is that like not everybody can be a worker you can work but there are different types of work yeah. and yeah i mean it's a sad state of affairs if you really think about it, but it's a, it's something, you know, it's a thing that, that does happen. There's precedent, there's historical uh, references. Um, one off the top of my head is the, uh, uh, the real life situation where uh, Japan and Korea, they have a frosty diplomatic uh, relationship and it has something to do with what happened in World War II, where uh, Japanese soldiers were using Korean women as comfort women. Mm. And uh, that 
that's that's a thing that totally happened and so um uh, i feel like i'm just kind of like <laughs> looping around the the uh the topic of it but the thing is is that that is a thing that happens is it happening in the game um if you find if you come across the what you're describing the noises yeah then i would say that it, it if you had heard that then you would have to think twice about the situation but even if you hadn't heard the noise that everyone keeps talking about um the what did you refer to as uh confirmed sex noises <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> undeniable confirmed. sex noises yeah, undeniable, undeniable sex, sex noises. noises yeah but that is a that is a thing that happens because mm-hmm. uh you you want to you want to you want to survive just as the game uh, the game developer says it's like that's the theme what do you do to survive mm. what do you ensure to make that happen and that's not just in general that's like what does tucker do to make that happen what are the guards make that happen and the unfortunate thing of the sad campers that have to deal with that fact and the choice is if that does happen you got two choices keep being oppressed like that and having to deal with really terrible disgusting things to continue being safe, to continue being fed. And in that camp of hot springs, that is the uh, that is the environment that Tucker presents to everyone. You either do what I tell you to do or you're not here. And um yeah, that is the uh well for Tucker for Tucker she sees that as the benefit of the system. This system only works if you do what I tell you to do. What is she trying to achieve? Uh She's trying in her head because uh, no one sees themselves. Well, I don't know. Maybe Tucker sees herself as a as as a as a badass, but I would see her as like a terrible person. She um, sees herself definitely as the only person who understands what's got to be done. Yeah, in a sort of uh, in a sort of few good men kind of thing. You know uh, that movie where uh, Jack Jack Nicholson's character says something similar of like you. I do what you don't want to do to ensure the freedom and all that stuff, all that bullshit that that type of person would say, like, uh, uh, I'm just trying to maintain stability. I'm trying to maintain safety. I'm trying to maintain everything. All I'm asking you to do is to give away your freedom. (laughs) So so, uh, do what I say and you stay alive. But, uh, you know, uh, based on what I remember uh, in doing the missions and uh, seeing how Lisa progresses, it would seem that Lisa had the right way of thinking, which is get the fuck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever it takes, just get the fuck out of there. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Copeland's camp. Uh, you mentioned earlier you used the word libertarian to describe um, how all of the camps kind of deconstruct aspects of libertarianism. Copeland's, I feel like, is the one that I would actually describe as maybe libertarian in its political ideology there's also with the you know strong anti-government uh themes and a lot of conspiracy theories yeah mixed in there he's a he's the uh i I mean uh game comes out in 2019 so that means uh i'm I'm just playing like like i know how long it takes to make a game but i would assume that the last when the game came out in 2019 they had at least the last five years uh in their head the way things were going politically within our country or mm. uh, within America. Um, so, you know, the rise of Alex Jones, Infowars, that's like the one off the top of my head. These commentators that are like insinuating that uh, that the government's not in your best interest, which is like, 
inherent inherently like a very american thing even back then when uh america was first founded there's always this idea of like well we fought the british so that no one could tell us what to do i'm i'm sort of like simplifying it because like this would just be a five-hour podcast when like <laughs> throwing in the the jams the the politics jams but that idea of like we fought our oppressors because we want to do things our way and we hate it when people tell us what to do and so even if that means the government is telling us what to do the very same government that's in our best interest uh this is how they think um the conspiracy theorists like even they're out to get you so the only one that can handle it is like you, the individual that knows what's going on. Oh, I'm going to do the, the, the accident. I'm going to do the, the Alex Jones and catch him in bed with a gavlin or whatever the hell is going on. <laughs> but uh, to make it serious, I'm going to put on my political science hat right now. Uh, there, there, you can see it. Yep, there look, go. looks good. Suit there you. you go. Okay, so Copeland, yes, he is like... He's one of the characters where he definitely you can look at him and hear him. Uh, once I <laughs> once I heard his like Radio Free Organ or I think that's a the, I think that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. I knew right off the bat what they were trying to do with this guy. This guy's like this is his. It, people call it an apocalypse. This guy calls it paradise. <laughs> if I was a guy like Copeland, who under normal circumstances uh, was like. This is going to happen. The government, man, they're out to get you, man. Holy shit, man. And then proof, this happens. Yeah. Proof and then that this he's, happens. He's right. I would go, if I was that type of character, I would be going around up and down that camp and going like, I told you, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. I would be like, I, I would, I'm sure that Manny is just uh, the guy who's the mechanic. He's probably sick to death death hearing he the, i told you so does not give a shit about no he doesn't i'm just so sick to death so um one of the missions when you're in wizard island is like you get to hear the colonel do his sermons mm -hmm. you better believe that it's probably not as organized as 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 the colonel's sermons but you better believe that copeland is a non-stop walking talking sermon where he's just like we get it we get it. The government sucks. There's no government. Yet you keep talking about it. Just shut up, you know. And so, that's him. He he wears that uh, idea. Uh, he he wears that care uh, that particular characterization about Copeland uh, distinctively. Like you know, he's a crazy uh, crackpot conspiracy guy. It's unfortunate that it's exact. It's unfortunate that what happens to the world is exactly what he's been pining about for the last uh, who knows how long, you know, he's a, he's, real he's Dale, a prepper. It's a real Dale Gribble. Yeah, you know? but at least Dale Gribble is like, uh, has a better personality than he does, you know, <laughs> <laughs> with the term sovereign citizen or sovereign state, isn't that a sort of political ideology that maybe he would fall under? Uh, I don't know. I mean, so let's, let's, uh, let, let, let me put on, let me, cause I wore on the hat here. So the concept of being a libertarian in the most basic form is someone who advocates maximizing individual rights and minimizing the rule of the state. And also one who believes in free will. So a guy like Copeland and, and based on when I would go in there, um, he's the guy in charge, which is kind of ironic when you think about it. Um, you know, the guy who's been uh, 
sort of screaming in your ear about how someone, the government's taking over and controlling how you function. The authority is yeah, trying to control is, you. But listen you to me, are, I am the authority. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, uh, it's just like, that's, you know, if Copeland says, that's what they want you to think. And then I would just be like, you know what, aren't you they, you know, mm -hmm. and then he'd, he'd have like a moment of like, oh, well, no, I'm different, you know, like, uh, I, I, you know, the hypocrisy um, with Copeland is very rich. It's very strong. There's a lot yeah. of hypocrisy, a lot of double standards. Um, you kind of have to search to see. It's not um, like, again, like with Tucker, with the slaves that have been a slave camp, the hypocrisy in Copeland's camp um, is there, but you do have to kind of work for it because he has he has that whole idea of like, well, it's, you know, freedom from the tyranny of government. But he, like you say, he is in charge. He steals Deacon's bike. He tries to steal Boozer's bike. He has this whole little speech at one point about basically taking what you want and fuck everyone else, break the law yeah. because fuck the law. You know, it's th there's a line where it's like he wants you to listen to him and he wants to be in charge, but he's also anti-authority, anti-government, anti-control, and it's it's very much a double standard. It, it's a real, also it's a real half-ass operation. Like you can <laughs> see that it, it, it is. I mean, I don't know, call me crazy or whatever, but uh, I look at. When you look at the other camps, Hot Springs, because uh, we just mentioned it a bunch of times, but like Hot Springs is well organized, well oiled, uh, not great place, but it's highly organized. Mm -hmm. uh, Lost Lake, same thing. Uh, obviously, um, Wizard Island with the uh, DCM, the militia, mm -hmm. the militia, it's highly organized because they have a sense of like, we need organization, we need this. Copeland is like the kind of guy who sort of it reminds me of like when i was in eighth grade uh we had this like honors u.s history class and uh we were learning about the revolutionary war and and through some weird ass way he the teacher um was trying to get us to understand the idea of being oppressed by like a government i swear this is not like an anti-british thing i i swear this is <laughs> no this you're is, all good it's that's fine. just classic i'm half american, american. i'm, I'm no, a citizen so you're one of us now, brother. <laughs> so that's how that works. But like the idea is that like they were trying to inherit this idea of uh, we hate this government. Let's stop doing this. OK, cool. So what are we going to do? So Copeland reminds me of like what we were back then, which was like, OK, you revolted. You did your thing. You're now in charge. Now what? And the idea is like, well, I didn't plan that far ahead. I only was just, I was just at the part where I was telling people what I would do. And now that time comes and Copeland like is, other than the fact that, again, most like most of the people that are in charge of the camps, um, he somehow found himself with the power to do so. He's got the guns, he's got the group, he's got the crew, he's got the guards on his side. A lot of people see him as the person in charge. What I would say the difference between Copeland and the other camp members are is because the other people don't know what else to do. Like he is the only one that wants to be in charge. Mm. Sort of like, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, someone who uh, I encounter this all the time, like uh, with the with the bros in my area where they want to be a number one. They want to be the tough guy. Oh, you know what? Someone like Trump. Trump wants to be president. He keeps telling everyone what a cool president he's going to be. Okay, great. You just got elected. Now what? And then eight years later, you're sitting there going like, well, what did you fucking do? 
you know, and he'll tell you, well, I did this. I, I was looking out for the middle the, the little guy and all this stuff. And you're sitting there going like, you know what? This, this is my political thought on it. Like, uh, you have to ask your presidency. And, and it's kind of funny that like, that's how Copeland is presented as a guy who spouts out these conspiracy theories. Like this is, this is a, uh, this is fake. This is a, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't talk like Trump. But he definitely would represent the type of person who's on the fringe of 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 uh, of, of society that they're mm. like, you know, uh, fluoride, that whole conspiracy theory and all that stuff. Like, I, I'm, I'm trying not to be polarizing or anything, but like those, those are some of the things that get mentioned a lot within this group of people. Um, also, I feel bad because the political ideology of being a libertarian doesn't necessarily mean that you are 100 percent all about conspiracy theories. It's just that. For me, it's like if you're constantly thinking about the individual, your own personal rights, you feel like you have a better idea of what's good for you as opposed to um, uh, what you think the state should tell you. Like a good example of that would be the government decides uh, it is illegal to uh, it is illegal to drive your car without having a seatbelt. You know, there's that law. Mm-hmm. And the libertarian viewpoint would be like, why would you make that illegal? Like, uh, shouldn't you be able to have the common sense of knowing that, you know, if I feel comfortable not wearing a seatbelt in the car, that should be on me. Now, common sense would tell you that a seatbelt is important because, you know, if you get into a car accident or anything, the seatbelt's going to help you. But for a libertarian in its basic form would have to at least question, why is it so important for the government to tell me and thus pass a law that would give me uh, an infraction in terms of like I would get pulled over and I would be seen as like, hey, that's not that's not a real civil thing to do. Not going around with your seatbelt. Uh, that's a that's like the most basic way of looking at it. Uh, but for Copeland, that idea of like thinking for yourself, that's good when it's just you. But if you're in charge of a camp, that's not good for the camp mm. um, based on. And I don't know if this was a choice that was made by the by the, uh, the, 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 sorry, developers, um, because Copeland's camp is like in the forest. Like it's not fixed. Like it's not, it's not in a uh, already set up uh, area. Like if I'm got not the little mistaken, Ewok village going on. Yeah. They, they got, they got indoor. Um, they don't have, uh, they don't have like, they didn't go and find like hot springs looks like some kind of resort that they found yes it is it is and it's also um hot springs has a river running on one side and cliffs on the other there's literally only that bridge to get in and out it is very well protected and that's why i'm thinking copeland's camp is kind of like it represents the half-assery yeah Mm -hmm. that's a word i'm gonna use that no no i'm gonna half-ass words myself but um that kind of is like a reflection of his half-ass attitude where it's like i'm in charge but i'm gonna do the bare the bare minimum because their location is weird. Maybe it represents their uh, his idea of being so far removed from society that they're literally in the forest, like kind of like a real fight club idea of it. Mm. Um, but uh, this idea of like, he's going to go and handle, he's going to handle it in the only way he knows how. And unfortunately, it's a very limited it's a very limited way of handling society for him. It's also um, interesting you mentioned that he kind of half-asses his power. The first mission you get for him is to go to the ambush camp up on the hill 
And the purpose of the mission is to turn on the radio tower, to fix the radio tower so he can do his broadcast. That's true. That's true. He's not even in it. There's no strategical reason to have that except for yeah. he wants his he stupid just wants radio to show back his, on. His show. But interestingly, while you're there, there's two things. That, first of all, it's an ambush camp. Like People have broken away from Copeland's camp and set up an ambush camp at the top of the hill, like pretty close to his camp. They're going to fuck up his people and steal his shit. And, and that's, that's not your concern? Your concern is the radio tower. And secondly, you overhear a conversation between two of those guys. If you hang out in the bushes and listen, two of the guys are talking about how they know, because they were from Copeland's camp and they broke away. They've gone AWOL or whatever, and they stole some fish. And the reason they stole it, they killed someone and stole some fish because Copeland had been rationing the food. Mm. And it's like Copeland doesn't, care about any of that and he's he's like fucked up the rationing so that somebody gets killed and all this food gets stolen and then these people leave and they you know go set up an ambush camp just at the top of the hill which is a strategic advantage over copeland's people but no deacon don't go kill him for any of those reasons go get my radio <laughs> mask back on he's definitely he's definitely got his priorities on right when it he definitely does um i mean and that's the, I mean, and in essence, when you have that mentality, you're essentially, that doesn't really give much confidence for the, for the campers that are there. Um, some, like I said before with Hot Springs, they're there because they really don't know what to do. And there's no real, other than that one mission where you have to go rescue Manny. And if I'm correct, uh, he sends Manny, who is probably the only one who knows how to fix bikes. He's the mechanic, he's everything, but somehow they send him to go do something else. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like mm -hmm. I wouldn't, you know, even the colonels, like I'm not sending the doctor to do a run, even though he wants to, like, he's a very valuable asset. Like we can't have our valuable assets doing weird ass stuff. You know, what if they get hurt? What if they get mm -hmm. killed? Like poor Manny. What would have happened if uh, if he became, you know, if he died or something like who else is going to go and fix that? Who's going to help him steal the bikes? You know, yeah. who's stealing the bikes? Not, yeah. you know, Manny. Maybe the other guy named Zanny. That's something I've noticed. Is there a <laughs> connection between <laughs> is there a connection between them? Like I kind of there was think I, so, but... I'm like derailing this. But <laughs> that always weirded me out that mm -hmm. you had a guy in one camp who works on bikes. His name is Manny. There's another guy out there who runs bikes. I think it's Hot Springs, right? Zanny? Zanny works in Hot Springs? Y uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So it and always then is it Buzz in Lost Lake? Is that his Yeah, name? and it didn't make sense because I was thinking like, well, why didn't they just go all out? You know, like the rule of threes and just call the guy in Lost Lake Danny. You know, Manny, <laughs> Zanny, and Danny. That's... The three brothers out. who grew yeah, up in a... Like maybe the dad was a mechanic or something and that's how yeah, they Yeah, all... it's a... It's, <laughs> Or maybe it's some that. kind of maybe it's some kind of cool like uh, mechanic uh, brotherhood thing mm. where like you just the Annie is there and you just add in the letter kind of like Pokemon, oh no no you, you take know? the first the first name the first initial and add Annie to the end so you would be Ranny oh, I'd be Clanny yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoa Clanny whoa there you go <laughs> you'd fit right there with the uh, with the old. Uh, the old Copeland camp there. No, I don't think they're, I don't think they're right. That's, you know, that's the other thing I noticed. There's, there's concepts of, there's things that are like polarizing in our society right now. And the, uh, the doctor in the, uh, I forget his name, but the doctor in the uh, Wizard Island camp says the Jimenez. same thing. Jimenez. Yeah. 
he says that uh, when the Freakers came, everybody joined up. Didn't matter who we were, what we believed in or anything. All we wanted to do is like, you know, kill the freaks. So things like that, like racism, I'm sure it still exists. I'm still that's prevalent, sexism and all that stuff. But I think it takes a back burner when it comes to wanting to survive, which is politically speaking, like you wouldn't have a group. uh, It's possible. But if you found yourself in a situation where like, if you're specifically setting parameters, like this is an all white camp or something like that, uh, unless you like found yourself with a pretty good crew i highly doubt it because at Mm. that point you're wanting to survive you're not sitting there to make sure that your uh, ideologies are being fulfilled or something like that but you know that's just something they they don't really talk about it in the game kind of like with the whole uh the whole sexual assault thing they don't bring it up but i would imagine that that i would have loved to have had some kind of reference but that's just me you know yeah like uh especially in the prison camp, because that definitely is a thing when you're when you're in prison. Uh, they they separate themselves through race and class and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. that's neither here nor there. And we already talked about hot springs. So. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting thing that I noticed about Copeland's camp is that it's named Copeland's camp. He oh, yeah, has an ego. Your... He's like, I want it's my name camp. splashed up on there on the sign. It's his camp. You know, yeah. it belongs to him. The, yeah. Ain't nobody ain't nobody else that. Uh, runs it that's true i just didn't realize that until as i'm as i'm like reading it, it yeah copeland's camp ain't nobody else's yeah <laughs> gotta have his radio show going gotta have his name above the door kind of makes you think how did it fall apart the first time i think whoever i don't think that was a natural occurrence i think if if, uh, if i missed out on something like says go help me turn on the radio but do they mention how it stopped working the first time? Yeah, the, the guys in the ambush camp destroyed it because they were pissed Good. at Copeland. Well, I mean, who's the real hero then? Is it Copeland or is it the people that said, shut the fuck up? Yeah, <laughs> which can be you in the game every time oh, Copeland's yeah, yeah, on the yeah, radio yeah. and he's like, yeah, 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 not today, Copeland. Well, the first the first time, the first run, I definitely heard them all because mm-hmm. obviously I wanted to listen to what they're saying. Same. Second time around, skip, yeah. skip, totally skipped it. No Copeland, um, not today. So what do you think are some of the benefits of Copeland and the way he runs his camp in this world? Well, I don't really, well, the benefit is the safe It's not ben- Tucker's it, camp. It's, it's not <laughs> it's Tucker's not, camp. You're not slaves. It is because they just have that thing of like, people can leave, you know, you can leave Copeland's camp. Um, it's, you know, nose down, work hard, they feed you. Yeah. Uh, they feed you. Uh, but the sort of uh, security, well, when I mean security, I mean like not just like the security of the perimeter, you know, making sure that they're safe, but also like the idea of like feeling secure within the camp. It's kind of 50 50 because, uh, you know, if you happen to get sick there, I can't imagine Copeland's camps like the best place to be when you're sick because yeah. there's no reference of doctors or anything there. There's a there's a place where you buy supplies. There's the bounty guy. Uh, no, not bounty guy. Bounty girl. Mm-hmm. I like her too. She's, Jesse. She's real. Yeah. She's like, hey, you're going to take me with you or what? And he's like, hell yeah. Yeah. You know it. Going up north, I mm-hmm. believe. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's no reference of anyone specifically. It's him and Manny in terms of story-wise. There's mm-hmm. two people that you deal with. And all you really know about them is that 
you know, for me, it's like, oh, this is a real half-ass operation. And the second thing is they stole your fucking bike. And one of the, okay, so one of the things that I noticed playing the game was because I played a lot of Witcher 3 in, in the early 2021. So when the choice comes with, uh, go get me my drugs, and the choice is pick one of the camps. I was just going to ask camp. you which one you took them to. Uh, I took them to Copeland because I was under the impression, uh, I was under the impression that they were going to give me uh, back something that resembled my original bike because his whole thing is like, yo, that gas tank was the tank that my dead, well, dead wife gave me. And so the, the way Copeland sort of convinces you, he's like, well, if you give it to us, uh, I'll see what we can do to help you get back the parts you you need. Not, we're going to give you your bike back. It's like, well, yeah. you know, maybe I'll see what I can do. Maybe there's a couple bits lying around which, that I might let you buy. Like, yeah, fuck which you, Copeland. Yeah, which now that I think about it in you know hindsight, I'm thinking that's just something he said so that he can convince you to give you the drugs totally. because there's no doctor there, as far as I know. I was thinking maybe like, oh, this is like Witcher, like every choice you make makes a decision or something. I realized I just got bamboozled, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, Tucker, Tucker says like, oh, we'll help you out with guns. That's, that's true. Because as far as I know, like, uh, hot springs has before you get to the really good guns in the camp, the militia camps, they do have a better assortment of guns. I think lost Lake is a close second. Well, or you, something. I don't think you can buy guns from Copeland. No, no, no. I meant like, uh, when you make the choice uh, oh. to either give it to Tucker, there's this there's this thing where like if you give it to Hot Springs, you get a better choice of guns. Mm, mm -hmm. If you go yeah. to Copeland, you get a better chance of getting your old bike back. And I think the reason why I picked the Copeland's camp was because I figured, well, my bike is probably more important than than guns. At least that's how that, that's how Deacon set, sets it up because mm -hmm. he's really pissed. Yeah. He's pissed about the gas tank. He's pissed about like, he, you know, the motorcycle is like the second most important thing in his life, obviously mm -hmm. next to Sarah. But it also has sentimental value because the, you know, the, the gas tank was a tank that was given to him by her as a gift. So I was under the impression that they would help you find it. But no, nothing. But it makes sense because Copeland's a fucking liar and he mm -hmm. half-asses everything. So he there he is half-assing his conversation with you to give you the drugs because there's no doctor. I would have to assume that there is no way of helping a camper if they get sick. They'd have to go scrounging. Um, why did they take your bike? Why did they take your bike in the first place? Because they scrapped it for parts. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna take medicine in the same way why they take everything else because they're all about themselves. They're worried about the individual and the group and they'll do whatever it takes to grab it. Mm -hmm. uh, they even try to take Boozer's bike yeah um and his and his uh uh his way of explaining it to you after you go well i like most people uh walked all the way over there <laughs> my rite of passage of day is gone yeah but once you get the bike he radios you and he says something like and it's it's kind of shitty how he describes it he goes like hey uh some of my guys are over there uh they said they saw a bike real good looking bike you know the kind of bike that uh your boy uh boozer had but now it's not there well what happened and it, you're sort of like you know what happened i fucking owned your crew <laughs> do you try to steal my boy's bike and he, like, no 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 not steal it 
Salvage, Deke. Oh, salvage. salvage. That's right. That's right. We're not stealing. We're salvaging. Yeah. I also like how Manny uh, doesn't know that it's Deacon's bike, so he's really cocky about it. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. some real sucker stole the bike. He's like, and when he realizes it's his bike, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't Anyways. mean it like that. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I thought that was a nice thing. They They all seem to have that idea. They're mm-hmm. not all just following him because like, oh, follow crazy guy with a gun. They all either through eventually through hanging out with him or just they they just hang out with him long enough to just adopt that idea. And they all seem to have that eventually. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can fit into this episode. Please come back next week for part two of our conversation. Don't forget, every Tuesday night, I collaborate with Spornicus Rex on a live stream playthrough of Days Gone. He goes into advanced gameplay tactics and strategy, and I discuss the story and characters. We're live on the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel Tuesdays at 6pm Pacific, and if you can't tune in live, the streams are still available to watch afterwards. You can support the Days Gone podcast by leaving a review or giving us a thumbs up. That really helps the algorithm do its thing so more people can find the show. If you have friends who play Days Gone, please let them know about the podcast and perhaps give us a share on social media. You can also show your support by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash daysgonepod, where you can throw a little money in the tip jar if you're feeling generous. That really helps me with the overhead costs of running the show. And I want to give a shout out to Dandy Denny and Basics of Pain for each buying me three coffees this week. You guys, thank you. That really means a lot to me. All right. See you all next week. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counter-arguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out.